Do y'all remember back in grade school? Um, we were able to play games back then during gym class that they're not allowed to play today, like kickball and dodgeball and all those great games. But they always had everyone line up, and they would choose two captains, and each captain would take turns picking members to be on their team. And as the teams got bigger, the choices, the selection got smaller, and it became awkward sometimes being that last person to be chosen to be on the team. You know, and in the early days, that's kind of what it was like for what we refer to as the churchgoers. Before the time of Jesus, during the time of Jesus, and even in the early days of the church, it was like that for a lot of people. See, the Jewish people had traditions that if you were a Gentile, or in other words, you weren't Jewish by birth, then if you wanted to be part of their community, you had to go through certain rituals in order to become a Jew. You would denounce your old life, go through these rituals, and once you've completed everything, you could call yourself Jewish. Now, everyone who worshipped God that wasn't of Jewish descent in those days, and especially in the early days of the church, they didn't want to become Jewish. They just wanted to pray to God. But I think sometimes they felt like men by the Jewish community. And when I say they, I mean us. Because we were the Gentiles. We were the ones standing outside that loop. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is the power of God to unite family. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. It says, Then Peter, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and the power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you this morning again with thankful hearts for all that you've done, for sending your son to 
to die on the cross for us that we may live to you. Father God, we just ask that during this time of the service, you be with me, give me guidance, empty me of my own words, and fill me with your spirit, that the words we hear today would be words that are acceptable to you and pleasing to your children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I know it's hard to believe that statement sometimes, but really and truly, that's the way society was in that time. And if we look hard, sometimes we might even say that it's that way now to in certain degrees in the society that we live. But what was going on was this. We have Peter who begins to speak, and he says certain things. And the one thing that I really love that he says is what he says in the first statement. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. How true it is. See, I love the word true because I can depend on those words. Words that are found to to produce fruit, words that are found to be a a good foundation, trustworthy, something that that I can build upon or or stand upon. I don't have to worry about conspiracy theories or, or just someone's opinions. But truth. In truth. We can find comfort and confidence of God working in our lives through Jesus Christ. Favoritism, it's not fun for for one group of people, but it can be fun for another group of people because one group of people will, will set a standard and they'll think that, you know, this is what it's like, this is who I am, and this is who my group of people Um, act like, and we hang out with one another, we talk with one another, and we do everything that there is together. And even if we don't do them together, we have an understanding that we're together. But the other group of people who may share similar thoughts, similar ideas, don't necessarily fit into that group. And it's not so much they don't fit into that group. It's that they're not allowed into that group. And see, and that's showing favoritism. And that's the one thing that that God wants to point out to everyone, that that he doesn't show favoritism, that, that when the Jewish people were called to be his voice, it wasn't because they were a special people. It was because they were available. And when he called, they said, yes, we'll be that voice. You see, what was supposed to happen with the Jewish people, and what did happen was this. God was going to work in their lives and work miracle upon miracle and show his power that the world will see and know that God is God. Of everyone. Not just of that one group of people. You see, the words that we have here is a sermon, so to speak, that, that Peter spoke. The background story on this is this. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was not of Jewish descent. He was a Gentile just like you and I, and he believed in the living God, and he prayed to God daily. He had his routine of prayer and fasting that he did. He lived in one part of the area, and Peter at this time after the resurrection was at another person's house, Simon. He was a tanner. Now, an angel appeared to the centurion and said, you know what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to send to your people over and find Simon Peter. 
I want you to, to find him and tell him to come over to your house and hang out with you for a while and talk with you. But he didn't tell him exactly what it was that he wanted to talk to him about. But he knew that, that Peter was to come over and bring some type of message. Now, Peter himself, though he was a follower of Jesus, was steeped in Jewish tradition. And he was kind of iffy about the whole thing of, of Jews and Gentiles mixing. It was early on after the resurrection. A lot of things hadn't evolved at this point. So the centurion sends his guys out to find Peter. And Peter, at this time, is up on the top of his friend's house praying. And he's praying so hard that he's getting hungry. And he has a vision from God. And it is a really strange vision. Let me share with you, really, really strange in Peter's vision that he sees not just once but three times, he sees what appears to be as a large sheet ascending from heaven. And it's uh, held onto by four corners. And that sheet opens up and it shows all type of animals inside that sheet. Hoofed animals, birds of the air, animals that are considered clean and unclean. And the voice of God spoke to Peter, and he said this, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Sounds odd, doesn't it? But Peter had a response to God, and this was his response. Nothing unclean has ever touched my mouth. And what he was talking about was Jewish tradition only allowed them to eat certain types of animals. Hooved animals were, was not something that they were allowed to eat, among others. And what God was saying to Peter was this, I am putting before you an entire world of things that are foreign to you. Things that tradition has told you not to partake of because it would be considered unclean. But God goes on in his vision and says this to Peter, I want you to know this, that what I have made clean will always be, be clean. In other words, we're not talking about food here in reality. And Peter was just starting to put all that together. Because when the vision came to a close, he saw the men coming from the centurion's home. And he heard them as they asked his friend, where can we find Simon Peter? And something clicked on the inside because he recognized them not to be of Jewish descent. And what he realized then is that his vision, it wasn't about food, and it wasn't about animals. It was about the work that Christ had done on the cross to bring God's family together under one house. He began to understand then that because of of Christ's love and Christ's sacrifice, cultural walls had to start coming down. That God didn't just love one group of people, he loved the entire group of people. That he didn't just die for one circle of friends, but he died for everyone. I like the way that the word says it, that he gave his life once for all. 
Meaning that, that that work that he did on the cross, the, the miracle of him taking upon himself our sin, our sickness, our guilt, and our shame was something that will never, ever have to happen again. That we as a people don't have to carry it ourselves. That, that Jesus went to that cross willingly and said, give it to me. I want it. I'll take it. I will carry it for you. So that you can live a life on this side of eternity free of guilt, free of shame. Being reconciled back to the Father who created you. And they told Peter this. You're being summoned to my friend's house. Would you come? And he did, and, and when he got there, he realized then a little bit more about what was going on. Now, Cornelius was kind of putting things together too because we all know that sometimes when God speaks that he doesn't give us the whole plan. He just gives us an instruction to, to go or do something or to say something. And then as we complete that part of the task, then he'll show us a little further about the path that we're walking. So when Peter got to Cornelius' house, and he began putting everything together, he did this. He said to Peter, who he knew was a Jew, who he knew historically didn't like Gentiles, he welcomed him into that house. Scripture says that, that he lodged there, and that when Peter's or when his friends were, were over at Peter's place, that, that they lodged there as well. And lodging is much more than just giving someone a place to stay. It's entertaining them. It's giving of your time to that person that, that they have a pleasant experience. They're beginning to, to show us Christ's work in our lives and how we are to, to live as a community that the truth is we all have varying opinions about life and about how we should live. Now there are aspects of, of Scripture that we know are not opinion. They are matter of fact. But so many things in the Scriptures speak differently to us as a people because of our experiences, because of where we're at in life, and because of how we relate to those people around us and to the stories that we read when we read in the Scriptures. Peter said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And isn't that a powerful thing? Have you ever experienced something where, where somebody's been trying to teach you something time and time and time again, and you practice or you try to wrap your mind around it and you just don't get it? And there seems to be no satisfaction or, or understanding in what you're doing. This week, I 
went up the road to Randy Woods and took a guitar lesson up there. You know, some of you know I've been picking a little bit on my own, but nothing professional. And I've always had problems with getting my fingers to move fast enough to hit the keys just right. But Ricky, the, the instructor up there, he, he looked at the way I was playing for a minute, and, and he gave me some notes to go home and practice. And, and later on, he sent me a message. Check your email because I sent you some things. And he sent me three songs. Two, I knew Amazing Grace. Now, I can pick Amazing Grace, but I can't strum Amazing Grace. It's two different things. And the other one was a song from the 90s, and I'm not a 90s music person. I'm sorry, it just kind of died off on me at that time. So, so I didn't recognize that song. I couldn't hear the melody even though I was playing the chords. But there was another song that he sent from the 70s. You may know it, A Horse With No Name. And I told my wife, that after all these years of hearing that song about the horse going through the desert with a, or the guy going through the desert on a horse with no name, I changed the song. I named the horse George. I'm tired of him not having a name. But... I grabbed my guitar and I started picking on it just a little bit and I was so amazed and ecstatic that I was able to go from an E to an A minor back and forth fast enough to play Horse With No Name. It was exhilarating to come to that point that I understood what the teachers had been trying to tell me all along, how putting the melody and act with your hands as your hands work in sync with one another as you forget about watching over here but listening here and just letting your body take control. It's an amazing thing when we experience truth in that manner. And it's an amazing thing when we experience that truth about God that when we come to that real understanding that God is not just some idea or concept that the, that the world throws out there to make us feel good about ourselves. Or that God and his teachings aren't just a way to have peace in a community. But to come to truly understand in that moment in time when our minds are clear and our hearts are receptive to know this that that nudging on my heart is not because of some fancy words a preacher said that that nudging on my heart is not because the melody of a song made me feel good for a moment. But when we come to understand that that nudging on our heart is the Spirit of God pulling on our heartstrings, saying, Dear child, come home. Because in that home, in the presence of God, and because of the gift that Christ gave us on the cross at Calvary, we don't have to worry about some standard that man set. Oh, I love my religion. I kid you not. And there are 13 or 14 other churches up and down this road. 
and they love their religion. We worship the same God. We just do it in a different manner. And that is okay. You see, no matter what family you grew up in, and no matter what your circumstances were, or who you're surrounded by right now, there is only one, one, who loved you enough to give his life at Calvary so that you can live in peace and enjoy. And it's so that when your life is finished and you close your eyes on this side of eternity, you awaken in the presence of God in paradise. Regardless of where we come from, God loves each and every one of us as we are. And I think that's the present that Christ gave to us when he came out of that tomb. That through his blood, those who call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. And we are not just brothers and sisters in Christ to one another, but we are brothers and sisters with Christ. There is no favoritism except the gift that God offers you. And live in peace with the family he gives you. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and thank you for the time that you've given us. And Father, thank you for the gift of love, the gift of family, the gift of grace, and the gift of mercy. as you have looked down upon your children. Father, we just ask that as we leave here today to continue our celebration of this Easter day, help us to remember that, that death and hell could not hold Christ in the grave and that there is no power in this world that can keep us from you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As Christ burst forth from the grave, let our hearts and our lives burst forth with joy and peace as we go out into the world to proclaim the, the gospel and as we experience Christ in all of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.